0: Thank you, John. How are we this morning? Good. If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Matthew. We'll be in chapter 21, starting in chapter 21, the book of Matthew. I want to uh, carry you through just some thinking this morning on the idea, the power, the promise, the purpose of prayer. Um, This past week, uh, it was made evident to me, I picked up a book that's about 20 years old and a book that I've had since I not long after I started in ministry when I was 15 years old, and a book that for me is just kind of sat on the shelf, but it reminded, it kind of pointed to prayer, and it, it it exposed some things in my own heart that I think translated for well for the message today. And I want you together with me for just a minute. We're going to pray one more time, and then we're going to dive into the text. But prayer is going to be the point this morning, so we're just going to pray some more together. Let's pray. God, we need you. Lord, there, there's no other way to say it God we can't paint it any prettier than that we are desperate for you Lord what we know and what we believe this morning is if you do not speak we will not hear If you do not open our eyes, we will not see. If you do not resuscitate our hearts, if you do not resurrect our dead sinful lives, we will not live. So God, we desperately need you this morning and we ask you, God, that you would come and be in our midst, that you would speak to us in a way, God, Lord, that we not only hear it, God, but that we cling to it, God, and run with it, Lord, and live for it, God. Speak to us this morning. We pray, God. We pray, Lord. We cry out to you this morning, God. There are men and women all across the city, all across the state, even maybe sitting here today that don't know you, that don't know the joy and the pleasure of knowing you, God. or being redeemed by you. And we pray this morning, God, Lord, that you would send the power of your Holy Spirit to convict lost souls, God. We pray this morning that you would do in our hearts, in our lives, in the life of our church what only you can do by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray, God, that you would bend down your ear, as the psalmist said, Lean in to us as we pray. We want to know you. In the power of your resurrection, and the fellowship of your sufferings, we pray that you would make yourself known to us this morning. We pray, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. And this started for me this week when we had uh, the Red Door every Tuesday night, which we're off now. This past Tuesday night was our last night of meeting uh, the Red Door, the college ministry that we have on Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock. And it, it, this idea, this sermon, was really birthed out of our time together like, this past Tuesday night. It was one of the coolest things, uh, probably since I've been in ministry here at First Baptist Church, to see college students leave. Uh, the Bible study and go get their cars or go sit by themselves or even prayer walk the campus and just cry out to God. It was a really cool experience. It was an incredible experience for me because it reminded me that what we often don't do but what we need to do most is to pray. Isn't that right? Think about it like this. This is the way I thought about it this week. Often prayer is reduced to a last resort, isn't it? Isn't it? I'm praying for you, are usually words that you hear when something is going awry, am I right? We, we've been praying for you. It's usually words that we hear when we are walking through struggles or trials or brokenness. Am I right this morning? We need to pray. It's usually a, a point where we don't know what else to do or don't know which way to turn and what's left. Well, we've tried everything else, so let's give God a shot. We need to pray, Right? When's the last time that someone called you on the phone? Now, I asked myself this question this week, kind of wrestled with it, it was kind of funny. When's the last time somebody called you on the phone and you picked up the phone and then somebody was just incredibly excited and they said, I just want to let you know, I just got out of like a two hour prayer meeting all by myself and I just prayed for you and I'm excited for your future and what God's doing. I am praying for you. Anybody had one of those lately? Okay. <laughs> Me neither. And I haven't done that. I haven't called anybody. I haven't spent hours in prayer praying for somebody and then call them and say, Hey, listen, I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm praying for you. Usually prayer is a last resort. But prayer is not supposed to be our last resort. It should be the passion of our lives and a foundation for every decision, every move, every movement that we make. You name it. Prayer should be commonplace in our hearts and in our homes. I want you to hear these verses, Matthew 29, 21, 12 through 13. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. I want you to catch a glimpse of this with me. Jesus is flipping tables. Jesus is going through the temple, cleansing the temple. He's driving people out. Most of the time, we, when we think of Jesus, we have this dainty, blonde hair, blue-eyed picture of a guy hanging on the cross. But in this picture, you have a man who's going through the temple, 100% man, 100% God, flipping over tables, running people out. Why? Because they were hindering prayer. They were standing in the way of God's people praying. If you read on there, he says... My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Prayer was important to Jesus. Prayer should for us be the foundation. And I'm just going to caution and say this this morning. I'm going to be real with you this morning. Oftentimes, the reason that we find prayer as a last resort is because we neglect it so much on the front end. Can I just be real with you? The reason that we have to run to God oftentimes and and while we're backing up and punting and asking God to bless whatever mistake we made and now we're trying to redo is because we did not seek him on the front end. Oftentimes we treat prayer much like I treat it at a meal sometimes just to be honest, don't we? We we take a few bites and then, oh man, we better pray, right? Anybody ever in that boat? See, we do that with our lives a lot of times. It's reflected in our meal, it's a real simple analogy, but oftentimes in our lives we launch out into something, whether it be a job, a relationship, career, ministry even. And so many times we launch out before we ever find ourselves face down before God, seeking his direction, seeking his guidance, seeking his blessing and his grace. That's why we find oftentimes that we're having to use prayer as the the parachute rather than the foundation. Prayer should not be our last resort. It should be commonplace in our hearts and in our homes. This morning, I, I, I'm not, I don't want you to feel condemnation this morning. That's not my heart. But if you're not praying, I do want you to feel conviction. Be real. I felt conviction this week. Had to confess to my wife. I'm like, I, I grew up, and I'll just share with you just for a minute. I grew up in a scenario where. I moved around a lot. I'm from a broken family, so I moved several times in different schools. And one of my coping mechanisms, the way that I dealt with it, is I just learned how to talk my way out of stuff. That's just it's what I would do. I would get in a jam with a teacher or with a, a, something I didn't turn in, and I would just kind of talk my way, try to charm my way out. I'm just going to talk my way out of this, make a joke, and we're going to just move on. And even in my adult life, I've seen some of that carry over because there are times in my life where I immediately go to the drawing board. I think, man, I can talk my way out of this, or I can think my way through this. I can plan. I can strategize. I can figure this out. Don't we do that? When really my greatest need is to fall face down before God and say, I can't do any of this, Jesus. I can't plan good enough. I can't strategize good enough. I can't think my way or smooze my way or savvy my way out of a situation good enough. I desperately need prayer. I desperately need to hear the voice of God speaking to me, leading me, guiding me. And I'll, I'll say this this morning. I'll go far enough to say this prayer is one of the most devalued, Underestimated elements that we have in our Christian faith. It, faith. It is one of the things that we turn to, like I said, as the last resort, rather rather than the springboard of our faith. And that's what it should be. It should be the springboard of our faith. One of my favorite theologians. Uh, his name's Charles Spurgeon. Someone asked him one time, and I'll, I'll paraphrase a long story. Someone asked him one time. They said, "Charles, probably didn't call him that. Probably called him Pastor Spurgeon. Pastor Spurgeon. What?" What makes your preaching so powerful? What makes your church so effective? What makes your ministry so good, Pastor Spurgeon? How do you come up with all those sermons and and how do you do that, Pastor Spurgeon? The person believed in that moment, probably like many of us would do, that Pastor Spurgeon would roll out his 10-step process to being the best pastor of all time, right? Right? Or he would roll out the 10 best ways to grow your church, 10 best ways to prepare the, the flawless sermon with three points and a poem. Pastor Spurgeon grabbed him by the arm and he walked him down a hallway and to the basement of the church. In this little broom closet area, he opened up the door, and inside were a few people praying. And Pastor Spurgeon said, This is the engine that drives the church. This is where the power comes from. See, we we can't 10 steps to be a better dad or a better mom or a better husband or a better father or a better businessman or a better student. We can't strategize our way into just being better. We have to have an intimate prayer life with the Father. We have to call on his name. And hear this when I say this this morning. Oftentimes we're compelled to call on the name of God when we are in trouble, right? I'm reminding you this morning that you have the opportunity to call on his name now. Today. While it is yet light and while things are still good and while there is plenty of time to do work for the sake of the gospel, you have time today to call on the name of the Lord. But you know why we don't sometimes? Because we know he'll answer. (laughs) And we want things our way. We know that if we really engage the Lord, he's probably going to convict us for some sin in our life. We know that if we really engage the Lord about that next purchase or that next hobby, he might divert our attention to orphans or to the lost in Uganda or to Jamaica or to China. And we say, I'd rather just maybe not pray today and go buy a new bass boat. If you just bought a new bass boat, I didn't. That's the Holy Spirit. That's not me. I just want to say that. Prayer is an opportunity for us to decrease. See, I I, I'll just be very transparent, my own my own life. I I don't go to prayer sometimes because what that means is TJ doesn't get made much of. See, we live in a generation and and I I'm I'm part of that generation, millennials. we, We we were the kids that made it popular to get a trophy for not doing anything. We we made participation trophies popular. We live in a generation to where how do we make kids feel better? We just celebrate them and make them feel good about their self-esteem. And, and they're the best and they're awesome. And the reality is, is we're all dirty sinners that need Jesus. And we've lied to a whole generation of people. Prayer is an opportunity for us to decrease. For us to diminish. And for God to be exalted. Hear this. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Pray then like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Many of you can quote this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those, or or as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do you see the context, the point, the focus of that prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Not hallowed be my name. Not hallowed be my wants. Not hallowed be my kingdom not hallowed be my dreams, not hallowed be my stuff, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's my will, God. See, prayer for you and I is an opportunity to place our will at the feet of Christ and say, God, do whatever you want. Let me decrease so that you might increase. Prayer, biblical prayer, Christ-centered prayer, the kind of prayer that God honors is a God centered prayer. Prayers, God centered, prayers, transparent. Think about what Jesus said pray. Forgive me of my debts. As we pray that, even that simple phrase, forgive me of my debts or my trespasses, forgive me of my sin. God, forgive me of my pride, right? I heard a quote like this, I'm going to say this and move on, but I I want to make a point here. Uh, A man once said this, he said, if you want to see how popular Jesus, or if you want to see how popular the church is, come on Sunday morning. If you want to see how popular the preacher is, come on Sunday night. If you want to see how popular Jesus is, come to the prayer meeting. I'm going to say that one more time just because it's good medicine. If you want to see how popular the church is, come on Sunday morning. If you want to see how popular the preacher is, come on Sunday night. If you want to see how popular Jesus is, come to the prayer meeting. Because oftentimes in prayer, prayer meeting, it's a place where we decrease. But I'll be honest with you, the reason that none of us, I'm not going to say none of us, most people don't like going to prayer meetings in most churches is because they're just kind of organ recitals. No one really cries out to God anymore not many prayer meetings that I've been in or, or what we call prayer meetings in, in America, do I see men and women get on their face before God and cry out for their lost neighbors and friends and sons or, or cry out for healing in their body or the body of their friend. They don't cry out for their country. They don't cry out for the nations that don't know Christ. Most prayer meetings go something like this. Aunt so-and-so's liver's kind of messed up. Let's pray for Aunt so-and-so. Uncle so-and-so's lungs aren't doing well. Let's, let's pray for uncle so-and-so's lungs and aunt so-and-so's heart isn't doing well. Let's pray for aunt so-and-so's heart. And really, at the end of the day, nobody ever stands up in a prayer meeting and says, hey, I'm kind of filled with lust and I need some prayer. When's the last time you were in a prayer meeting that happened? Things would get saucy, wouldn't it? Things would get uncomfortable. When's the last time you were in a prayer meeting somebody stood up and said, hey, I've been taking advantage of people with my business and I want to find out how to kind of write things and repent and make it right in the community. I want to confess. When was the last time we went to a prayer meeting together and somebody stood up and said, hey, listen, my marriage is in trouble and I need you all to lay hands on my wife and I or my husband and I because we're about to fail. I challenge you today to say this, that prayer, if it did look like that, the world would be a different place. The church would be a different place. It wouldn't be just a place where we all put on a mask And played the part, it would be a place where real life change happened, where revival sprung up. Because prayer is God-centered and transparent, and sometimes it is painful. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Sometimes pain exposes the deepest, prayer exposes the deepest part of our heart that we don't want to share with anybody. Sometimes prayer is painful. Sometimes in prayer we have to walk back to our sin and confess it to God, sin that we don't want to think about. God, would you take this? Maybe it's burdens, maybe it's wounds, maybe it's scars. But prayer is an opportunity for you to be transparent with God and say, God, here I am, you see this brokenness in me, I can't do anything. I need you, Jesus. Prayer is an opportunity for you and I to make much of God and his abilities and lean on his power, the power of his presence, trusting that he is the only one with an answer. I'm going to say that again so you can hear it. Prayer is an opportunity for you and I to make much of God and his abilities and lean into the power of his presence, trusting that he is the only one with an answer. Hear me well. We do not have the answers. We do not have the ability to heal. We cannot bring revival. And we cannot break the bondage of sin. But hear this. Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is the answer. Jesus can heal the sick. Jesus can author revival. Jesus can destroy the firm grip of sin with ease. If this be true, and we know it is, then why would we not pray? If we believe that to be true, That we serve the chain breaker, that we serve the life giver, that we serve the only one who has resurrection power. If we believe that to be true, that Christ Jesus was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, if we believe that to be true, why don't we pray? I love you. Point number four prayer is the pulse. Prayer is the identifier of life. If you want to know if somebody's alive, laying on the ground, you can can look for a pulse, can't you? you want to see a church that's alive, I guarantee if you were to place your hand on the pulse of the church, you would find a church that prays. You find a ministry that's alive. You find a marriage that's alive. You find parents that are alive and pouring into their kids. I guarantee you one thing. If you were to place your hand on the spiritual heartbeat of that family, there would be a pulse of prayer. You say, well, TJ, I don't don't know what else I can do in my marriage. Pray. TJ, I feel like I've given all that I can give. I don't know where else to go. Pray. TJ, with my kids, I, I just... I've raised them, and I feel like I've equipped them to send them out, but I don't know what else to do. We're at this place of tension in our home. Pray. TJ, at work, I want to share the gospel, but I don't really know how to open that door. If it's possible, what can I do? Pray. If we really believe that he is who he said he is, and he said that we can pray and that he would move. And we live in the midst of a of a God, who is a God who is absolutely sovereign, absolutely powerful, but also a God who said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will. Do you see that concept in the Bible? If my people, I will. He wants to hear your prayers today. And not just something muttered over your Chinese food after church today. He wants to hear you pray. Well, TJ, I'm not very good at praying. One of Jesus' favorite prayers in the Bible, well, one of my favorite stories that reflects the heart of Jesus when it comes to prayer, you, you may say this morning, TJ, I don't really want to pray, or I don't really pray, and I definitely don't pray out loud, because I'm not really eloquent. I don't know what words to say. There was a story in the Bible where there was this guy who was pretty religious thought he was a lot better than he was, stood up and began to declare in the temple, oh, I'm, thank God that I'm not like this, this sinner, this nobody. Thank you God that I was born where I was born. I'm paraphrasing 2016 version. Thank you that I am who I am. I, all this eloquent junk. And then this guy over here in the corner who's face down just begins to beat on his chest and says, oh God, I'm a sinner. You know who God smiled on? Not the eloquent prayer. Not the one that could lace all of those theologically divine syllables together. He smiled on the one that could simply utter, Oh God, I'm a sinner. He wants you just as you are. He wants to hear from you just as you are. Would you pray? Prayer is the pulse, it is the identifier. And you may say today, T.J., there's not a pulse in my church or in my marriage or in missions or in my personal walk with Christ or the dream that I feel like God's given me. T.J., there's not a pulse in my parenting. I feel like our communities are kind of dead. Our Sunday school class, it might be kind of dead. T.J., there's not a pulse. What can I do? Pray. And You say, T.J., that's just too simple, man. Uh, What can I really do? Like, give me some steps. Pray. List out some things that'll make me a better Christian. No, pray. Get along with God and seek his face. Confess your sin. Be honest before him. Spend time with him. Last point, we're gonna wrap up. Listen to this. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious about nothing But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Again, here you go. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the God of peace will. The God of peace will move. The God of peace will act. He is your God this morning. He's not just my God, not just the God that I preach, not just the God in the Bible. He's your personal Savior. Prayer produces peace because when we pray, we tap into the power that is otherworldly. When we have nothing else to give, He has a strength that we know not of. When we can't think our way out, he has an intellect and a divine nature that is so high above us, so far beyond us. And when we feel like we have nothing left to say, Scripture says that he can read the cry of our hearts, groanings from deep within us. So this morning, I want to challenge you. This week, today, pray and and i don't don't mean i don't mean god we thank you for this food that's that's not what i'm saying find some time husbands man up go to your wife this week grab her by the hand and say i want to pray for you you're the spiritual leader of the house i'm going to start with you i'm not going anywhere else that's where i'm going to start in today with you husbands Lead your family to Christ. He said, TJ, I'm not good at praying. It's okay. The guy in the Bible wasn't either, and Jesus really liked it. Step up. Make prayer the common language of your home. You say, but TJ, I don't really like you telling me what to do. That kind of rubs me the wrong way. Take it up with Jesus. It's in the Bible. You're the spiritual leader. They're looking to you. I want you to feel the weight of that. Dad's, granddad's, brothers, uncles. Feel the weight of it. They're taking their cues from you. So pray. Moms, I say the same thing to you. I said I wasn't going to go there, but I am. Pray. Grab your kids by the hands this week, grab your husband by the hands. Maybe your husband doesn't come to church with you. Maybe your husband doesn't know Christ. It's okay to freak them out. They already probably think you're a little crazy for coming to church, anyways. (laughs) Grab them by the hands. Say, man, I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for us. And what would it be like? What would it really be like if God's people were a people of prayer? Not a people of opinion, not a people of emotion or attitude not a people of preference, but what if God's people were a people of prayer, passionate about seeking His face? I know some of you might feel left out, but I say it to friends, cousins, classmates, teammates, employees, employers. What if you ventured to pray? What if you grabbed the hand of your teammates this week and said, man, I just want to pray and God will bless you. What would happen if you told your teacher, hey, I'm praying for you. I know I made an F. It's okay. I'm praying for you. What would happen? What would happen? Most teachers, if you have a bad grade, they think, look at him. He's trying to (laughs) bump it up. No. What would happen this morning if God's people were a people of prayer? Would you endeavor to receive that challenge this week? Would you pray? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for this direct line. God, I thank you for the Bible that tells us that we have the opportunity to boldly approach the throne of grace. That we don't have to go through some priest or some prophet or some preacher. We can on our own come to you in faith asking from you, asking things of you, praising you, God, and you hear us. You incline your ear to us. It's the craziest thing in the world. You want to hear from us. So my prayer today, God, is that you would make us a people of prayer. God, that as a church, if we're known for anything in this town, I pray it's not that We have good music or good preaching or good programs. God, I pray that this town would know that we're a hospital for the sick and the broken and a hospital for sinners, a place where you can find revival and love and healing. And if nothing else, this church will pray. Make us a people of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.